0: A podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 328 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. You are listening to the second episode in our Psychology of Sex and Relationship series. Back in January, I asked you guys what kind of topics you guys want me to talk more about and psychology of relationships and relational dynamic. That was something that you guys requested. So make sure you're following, subscribing to our content because we have tons of really, really good tips and strategies on how to manage your relationship that will come your way. I'm very excited to have Veronica Cicenero, a licensed marriage and family therapist, marriage coach, course creator, retreat host, and host of the Empowered and Unapologetic podcast. Veronica is on a mission to help couples reignite the fire in their relationships and she brings her unique blend of spicy and sweet wisdom to the conversation. Together, we'll be discussing the damaging practice of weaponizing sex in relationships, recognizing and addressing this behavior, building a healthy and respectful sexual dynamic, and how you can communicate effectively about sexual uh, your sexual needs and boundaries. I also wanna mention that we're experimenting with mid-roll ads to help keep the podcast free and accessible. I hate to do different tiers of paid listeners, unpaid listeners. That's why I want to make sure that I'm able to get funding from the sponsors. So I will be able to provide all of these free information to you guys for as long as I'm around. And I appreciate your support and understanding as we navigate this change. And I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of us who are supporting our sponsors. Also, I want to remind all of you to check out my YouTube channel, where I post regularly on various topics related to psychology of sex. You can find it at youtube.com forward slash sexology podcast. And the link is also in the bio. All right, here's my conversation with Veronica Cisneros. Hello and welcome back to another episode of technology podcast. I am so excited to welcome a wonderful local therapist and a dear colleague of mine, Veronica Cisneros.
1: Veronica, welcome to our show. I am so excited to be on here. Like you have, I, there's no words. There's no words partly because Obviously, I know you, but even more just because of the relationship you and I have.
0: Yes, yes. I'm so lucky that we met. For our listeners, we met through a program that was like teaching you how to do online courses (laughs) and we were taking each other courses and I fell in love with Veronica's couples course. Like for, I thought I'm, I'm just auditing it to give her feedback on the kind of like the format, but the content was just so good. I was taking notes and I'm so glad that she accepted the invitation to come here today. One of the things you talk about in your course is about weaponizing sex for our listeners that they're not familiar with it. Tell us more about what does it mean
1: to weaponize sex in a relationship? Well, I'll give you sort of a general example. You know, for most of us, you know, in our relationship, the common complaint for men in a heterosexual relationship is that there's not enough sex. And the common, I guess the common rebuttal from women is, well, I'm tired or I've been with the kids all day or, well, you upset me. So because you upset me, how do you expect me to be in the mood? And so it's we use this and I don't want to say all of us, but the majority of us, if we're if we're being honest. We use that as a platform to get our partners to do what we want them to do. And if they're not behaving in a certain way, then there's punishment. And so, yeah, all in all, what we don't realize is we are weaponizing sex. How do you think it's impacting the relationship? Oh, it's impacting the relationship negatively. You know, I, I have to admit, I have totally been guilty of doing this myself and even now and then still guilty of doing this myself. One thing that I constantly have to remind myself is, You know, it kind of goes back to something you posted on Instagram, and I still have it, you know, about, you know, about marriage. Nobody signed up for marriage and also signed the contract to celibacy. And it's so important for us to, to have that intimate moment, not only for our partner, but for ourselves. And when we use those strategies to get our partners to do what we want, well, after a while, what ends up happening is they stop asking. And they start, I don't want to say they start losing interest in us, but that does happen. You know, I'm not going to get it from her anyway. She's going to come up with an excuse or reason, or maybe I don't look good enough. And I've seen a lot of couples, especially couples that I treat here in therapy, the husband have opened up and have said, it feels like you're not attracted to me. And, you know, although that's not the case, that's exactly where they go. And if we're weaponizing sex, then unknowingly we're setting our relationship up for failure. And most of us, that's not where we want to go. And so it's really, really important that we're cognizant about the impact of using sex as a weapon. I love that. And I agree with with the
0: thing that you mentioned about the impact on the relationship. And as you said, unfortunately, it's common. And sometimes people fall into those traps unconsciously because they think about, okay, I don't have power outside the bedroom. And this is the only place
1: I feel I have power. Or that's the only way my partner listens to me. Yeah, definitely. You know, a, a primary woman's complaint is they don't feel seen. They don't feel heard and they don't feel appreciated. And so, you know, in a sense, they feel as if they're hosting, they're constantly hosting or they're constantly fixing or adjusting or, you know, turning toward, you know, an issue or situation or, you know, addressing and solving all of these problems. And resentment starts to build in the relationship, right? And we start to keep score at all of the things they're doing. And while they're keeping score, they're also disconnecting from their partner. And, you know, if I've done all of these things, I've been with the kids all day, you know, I've fed them, I've clothed them, I've took them to all the doctor appointments. The last thing I want to do is I'm not trying to have sex with you right now. Mm -mm. You have yet to wash the dishes when I asked you to wash them. I ended up washing them. You have yet to help me around the house with the kids homework. I still have yet to see your participation in this relationship. And so until I see it, I'm not giving you anything. And so I'm tired and I'm going to go to sleep. What people don't realize is when we're doing that, it's this form of contempt. We're positioning ourselves higher than our partners. We're basically communicating them to them. I am better than you. Here are, here are all the reasons why I'm better than you. What we don't realize again is contempt, Gottman says, is the sulfuric acid of relationships. It's literally putting you on track towards divorce. Again, I realize that's not the intention. However, because of that feeling that you're doing everything and your partner is doing nothing. And then that level of superiority, because you did nothing, I'm going to punish you. It weighs heavy on the relationship and relationship can't sustain it. It can't, you know, not only because of lack of skills, lack of tools, but because there's that level, there's that hierarchy that's happening in the relationship. And Yeah. When, when you're in a relationship where you feel, I mean, think about it. When you're in a relationship, when you feel less than, how, you know, how, how open are you to work on it? How open are you to invest in it? You're not. I, I agree with you. And I think
0: this kind of dynamic of kind of like looking at sex as something you're doing for someone else, like it's something else in your to-do list that you already done the laundries, you already kind of cooked, did your job, like at your job at work. And then now you're something else you're doing for someone else. So, of course, maybe you feel like I have to get something like out of it yeah. myself. That's not like sexually relate, related. And that just impacts the dynamic. i got the mentality of like, I'm doing this for you. Right. That mm-hmm. like, This is like, you know, it's good to give gift of pleasure to our partner a couple times per year, like at that, it's maybe it's your anniversary or it's your yeah. birthday. But overall, it needs to be mutual pleasure. And if something that you're doing like in the bedroom feels like chores, uh, please stop it, do something else and talk about it with your partner (laughs) because it shouldn't feel like that. I feel like if you're really doing quote unquote sex right, you need to kind of, it feels like punishment to you, right? That if you're saying that I would, we're not going to have fun, (laughs) that would be punishment to you. So I have a question for people. Like, for example, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, like you're wondering, you're male or female. You're wondering your partner is weaponizing sex. You're not sure if they're weaponizing sex or they truly have low desire.
1: Is there a way we can distinguish that as a partner? Great question. I'm going to quickly share, you know, my story. For me, I I had Willie was, you know, Willie was asking. That's what I'm saying. Willie, you know, Willie was asking. You know, we haven't had sex in like a week or two. You know, will we have it eventually? Like within the next month? <laughs> like what's going on? And I remember asking him, you know, you keep, like you're keeping a tally. Like you remember the last time? And he's like, yeah, of course I remember. And it was a teachable moment. And here's why. Initially, there was a part of me that's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Another thing that I have to do for him, right? Here we go. And, you know, you know, that can appear as if I have low desire. Until I was able to ask him a question and I was vulnerable with him. And I asked him, babe, what does sex represent to you? And, you know, Willie replied with, it kind of helps me gauge where a relationship is at. If our relationship is on, the, on a good track, we're doing really, really well. If we're not having sex, then that means that we're in trouble. And initially I thought, oh God, that's pretty clever. That's really clever. You know, you came up with that yourself. You know, you're just trying to convince me to have more sex. That's all you want is more sex. And in reality, you know, when I just kind of listened to him for a minute, he was able to say, no, it's not sex. What sex represents? We're connected. We're together. We, this is our time. And we both get to enjoy each other. And, and that feeling of just being able to touch you and hold you, And he asked me, don't you enjoy it? And in that moment, it's like, hell yes, I enjoy it. I enjoy everything about it, you know? But it was like, oh my God, this is how Willie was feeling. And so to answer your question, if you feel as if, you know, if you're you're undecided on whether or not this is, you know, that lack of desire or if there's this other, you know, deep rooted issue, whatever that is, being able to ask that question, what does sex represent to you? Not in an accusatory way, but literally being open. And there might be some frustration. There there might be, you know, for either, you know, for either partner. But if you really want to know what this is, having that conversation, providing this safe space and asking your partner, what does sex represent to you? Because in that moment, you will get that answer as long as, again, There's no judgment. There's no criticism. And there's no push to try to get your partner to see it your way, to try to change your partner's answer. Instead, listening to understand. I've, through that practice, I have found that not only have I been able to connect with Willie way more, you know, with, with so much more intensity, but at the same time, it was, there was this deeper, meaning for the two of us. And that led to other conversations about what we were taught about sex and the exploration of our bodies. And I got to be honest, after that conversation, not only did the way, not only did the way, the amount of sex that we've had, not only has that increased, but That amount of exploration, that, that vulnerability to explore each other's bodies, that vulnerability to go out and ask questions. Does this feel good? Does this feel good? Well, I'm going to do more of this, whatever it is in that moment because of that conversation, those moments have not only been more gratifying, but it's truly strengthened our relationship.
0: What a powerful story. And I agree with you that if you see things from your partner's perspective, that can be very helpful with kind of building excitement and also compassion and when like you know even at one at times like willingness if your relationship at a good place and maybe like in last few months it's a lower desire season of your life but you know that's how you and your partner connect then you can explore different ways of being sexual that doesn't feel like daunting to you and I love that you're kind of like brought that this element of asking what does it represent to you and to your partner so you can give the opportunity to talk about that instead of kind of like shutting down that conversation that, okay, if I open that door, it means like I have to do it. It's just an invitation of kind of seeing how your partner is experiencing that. You know, one of the things that I love about the content you're putting out there, the course you're doing and your podcast is about the strategy that you teach people to have a healthy relationship, because I, for majority of people they never learn. There's a no relationship school, right? No, like what you no. learn is what you learn from your parents, and they they, they do probably the best case. They they were doing their best. <laughs> well, <laughs> wasn't the case in my situation, but many families I hear that people are doing their best. But it's it. We still, if you want to have a relationship, it's really important to know how does it look like for us. Tell us about how can couple build their respectful, healthy dynamic in their relationship, inside and outside the
1: bedroom. Yeah, no, great question. So, in order for us to build a strong, healthy relationship, you know, a lot of people automatically answer with communication. Communication is key. Well, I could definitely communicate with my partner. He's a piece of shit. You know what I mean, <laughs> and that's communicating. I'm being honest. I'm being open. I'm being vulnerable. Right? Communication, right? But the reality is that's not that's not what makes a relationship or a marriage work. Not at all. Research studies have shown that it's friendship, being the best of friends, your best friends, your absolute best friend. And I'm I'm I'll I'll say with Dr. Molly, you know with her. She come, her and I come up with some really crazy outlandish ideas and goals. And it's like, hell yeah, hell yeah, you can do it. I'm, I'm her biggest motivator, her greatest supporter, like, hell yeah. You want to go do that? Your car or mine. Where are we going? You know, but we're going to do it, but we're, we're in it. We're not trying to talk them out of it. We're not criticizing them. We're not shaming our best friend. Instead, we're uplifting them. There's no competition. Zero competition. And that's where I see a lot of couples who make that mistake. They're trying to communicate. They're trying to utilize what little skills they have and they get stuck. And the primary reason why they get stuck is because they're trying to do the opposite of what their parents did, which if you look at it, it's extreme behavior. It's still extreme behavior. And they wonder why. Why am I met with the same results? Why am I recreating my childhood? How did we, how did we get here? Well, because for one, you lack skill, but two, you're trying to, again, force change. You're trying to force your partner into adapting into the same rules that you grew up with. Well, guess what? He's doing the same thing. He's trying to teach you the rules that helped him survive his household. And so although it's with good intent to try to force change in the relationship and communicate, if we're able to go out and let down our guard and really see our partner as our best friends, our best friends. We're not going to criticize them. We're going to motivate them. We're going to uplift them. We're going to join in with them. We're going to be curious and ask them questions and want to get to know them. I've been married for 23 years. I'm still learning more and more about my husband. That is what truly changes the dynamics of a relationship. Because you're no longer in competition mode, you're not going to compete with your best friend. Uh, uh, you're not. You're going to be driving right there, right behind or be backup dancer, whatever they need, right? You're going to do those things, but you're not going to compete. And so, one question I would ask you, if you're struggling in your relationship, you know, in or out of the bedroom, at what point did resentment enter in and you started to keep score? Because if that's happening. Then, yeah, there's a lot of things that you have not voiced. And I want you to pay attention to what are the issues that you are also bringing into the relationship because we could blame all day. But if we don't take a look at the things that we're bringing into the relationship, then we're avoiding, we're avoiding what's going to strengthen it.
0: I love that. You mentioned so many great things. First of all, I think one of the realizations that I I had after kind of like being married for for a few years was that sometimes for some people they don't make the connection about yeah. like, how your thing outside the bedroom it impacts a sex, your a sexual desire or partner desire. They think <laughs> about like when they struggle with sexual, kind of like connecting sexually, they think about what's happening in the bedroom. Like I, one of the jokes that I have in my husband, which who Veronica met many <laughs> times, <laughs> <I love him. laughs> is love about him. like <laughs> he loves you too. And what, it's about kind of like when after a huge fight, we usually, like, I always recommend people to have Schedule sex and spontaneous sex. And yeah. one of these scheduled time in the calendar came up and he thought we were going to have sex. I was like, are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> we had this huge fight. What what, what do you think is happening? I was like, oh, they're related. Maybe he was pretending he doesn't know. Or maybe okay. he thought that's something else. And the sexual experiences are different, but you're so connected. If you have a toxic or disrespectful relationship outside the bedroom, oftentimes, for majority of people, it impacts your openness yeah. to want to be sexual or vulnerable with your partner. So, as Veronica mentioned, it's really important to work on those kind of like skills and kind of dynamic outside the bedroom, so you can be open and connected inside. So, you know, one of the so you have so many great kind of services, right? You have your courses you have your prior practice like retreats well for example if someone they don't know what would be a good good place for them to start they're not best friend they but they want to connect When do what
1: well, how can they figure out like what is a good starting point for them so the first step is identifying what are the issues you bring into the relationship what are the issues you are personally bringing into the relationship don't get me wrong i know right now you're probably thinking girl i could list All of the issues my husband is bringing into the relationship. Why are you looking at me? Well, because you're part of it. You're part of the issue. So that's where I would start. What issues am I bringing into the relationship? Write them down, right? Grab a pen and paper right now. And I want you to think about what are the issues you're bringing into the relationship? Some of the common ones, I know for me, an issue I was bringing into the relationship is when Willie and I would argue, somebody would have to leave the house. Me, him, I didn't care. Somebody had to leave because that's what my dad would do right? Or there would have to be like some level of explosion. And so when Willie wouldn't explode and Willie wouldn't leave, well, I had to leave and I had to explode. Like somebody asked to do it, right? Those were the issues that I was bringing into the relationship. And so that was one of them. Another one, I had no idea how to self-regulate. I had no idea how to control my own emotions. I was taught that whatever you're feeling, Joe it broadcast it to the world and make sure it fits somebody that you're mad at. If you're really good and you honed in on this skill that my dad taught very well, then they would all of a sudden be mad too and they would be hurt and they'd probably cry if you got them to cry bonus points. But it was one of those things. And so those are the issues that I would bring into the relationship. I'm make Willie cry. I'm going to, I'm going to threaten to leave and then I'm going to explode and yell perfect relationship, right? Like I was totally doomed or I was totally set up for success. Those are the issues I was bringing into the relationship. The next step is once I'm looking at all of these things, all of these issues that I'm bringing into the relationship. Well, how the hell am I going to work on them? Do I have the capabilities to go ahead and work on these and address these issues? I was able to identify them. Was I able to identify all of them? Do I have the skills? Did my parents give me the tools? to go out and work on these on these issues. Well, that's where the hard question, or the hard answer comes up. No. No. Okay. Well, I don't have the skills to go out and do this, which leads me to the next step. Well, how the hell do I get them? Where do I go? And this is where you might need to hire a professional because I know I I needed it. I I I needed it on so many levels, you know, because of again, the environment that I grew up in. Once I was able to identify that I couldn't do this on my own, Well, I had to find somebody that I would trust, that I respected, and I knew was capable of showing me and my partner by challenging us outside of our comfort zone. And so that's really why I started hosting retreats. I started hosting retreats. I started, you know, creating courses and and my podcast because there were so many times for myself through my journey, I didn't have that. I had a therapist that I kid you not, I kid you not. It was in session with her. I don't know if I freaked her out or what happened, but all of a sudden I ended up providing her with therapy. The session was only supposed to be (laughs) 15 minutes. It ended up being two hours. Found out her husband was cheating on her. Found out (laughs) she was hiding money in her bank account. I'm like, oh, if this is therapy, I don't want it. But this is why it's so important to recognize, okay, what type of help do I need? And right now, you guys are obviously hearing my approach. Is this somebody that I would want to get help from? And that's where you and your partner get to make that decision. Is this somebody that I would want to get help from? And for me, some of the key things in hiring somebody or let's say attending a retreat or purchasing a course or whatever it is, is this person relatable? Are they relatable? The next step, would they truly understand what I'm going through? Or are they just going to give me some fluff and some BS and give me a Band-Aid? Well, I need something. I need somebody that's going to challenge me and my partner outside of our comfort zone. I need somebody that's not going to be a referee, that's not going to take sides, that's really going to force or challenge us to go ahead and do the work. Well, if that's what you're looking for, then that's what you want to go ahead and that's who you want to hire. Or that's the retreat you want to go out and attend, or that's the course you want to take. And so I focused, I laser focused on creating and developing the course for my retreat. Based on all of those, all of those requirements, because I've been there, I've been in those shoes, you know, Willie and I, we were one month away from divorce, one month away. From, and I'm not saying we thought about divorce, like one month away, we had our court papers filed and we had just received a notice from the court saying that our divorce would be finalized. And that kicked both of us in the ass, right? Right. And it was just one of those moments where we needed to wake up, but we didn't have that. It took us 10 years to figure it out. And a lot of, a lot of not so great professionals and not so great books, right? Like they can only take you so far. And so with this retreat that I'm hosting in May, I wanted to make sure I provided couples with the tools and skills that they needed so that they can leave and they feel whole All of the skills they needed to apply, they were already implementing at the time of session. Everything that they needed to learn, they were already putting into practice in real time. I'm not just up there lecturing. They're actually doing the work, which makes this different and sets it apart from everything else. So many great points. And I, <laughs> I think it's, it's amazing
0: that uh, you had that experience, right? That some people think about relationship, they haven't had like similar maybe to my case and like, my parents got divorced and I, yeah. I feel like I didn't have the right template and then what you learn you get that happy happily ever after template from right. movies and cartoons and you think okay so happily ever after looks like this but mm-hmm. what I'm hearing that again seeing your how beautiful and connected your relationship is with Willie is that something it seems like you worked on and I think it's oh. really helpful for people to know that yeah it's not
1: something that it's either there or not it's something that you can cultivate absolutely Willie and I just well we celebrated 23 years married in October and yeah absolutely but for the the beginning you know for the first couple years of our marriage we we attempted to work on it but we were working on it blindly you know with the his parents gave him toothpaste my parents gave me floss and the goal was to build this strong house and we didn't have any nails or, you know, a YouTube video, at least give me a YouTube video on how to build a house with, you know, floss and toothpaste or whatever we were given, right? We weren't given those tools and it was really us being open and honest, like our relationship is not where we want to be. And and I I want I want to make sure I'm clear here. Don't wait until you're somebody's using the D word. You know, don't wait until somebody says divorce to start working on your marriage. If you're starting to identify, like if you look at that list that you just wrote up and you see that, holy crap, I'm totally recreating my childhood. I am totally my mom or my dad or I'm both, you know, depends on the day, right? I can see all of the issues I'm bringing into my relationship. Ask your partner to do the same thing. Once you guys look at that list Ask yourself, will our relationship sustain this? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you say yes, you are lying to yourself. Love and attraction could only take you so far. My husband is sexy as hell, but I'm going to tell you what, that's not enough to keep us married for as long as we have been married. It required us to learn and implement the skills over and over again. So that now I'm not going to say we have the perfect relationship because there's sometimes I want to shake them. However, we are able to come back from arguments. You're going to have arguments no matter what. It's going to happen. But the way we're able to come back from those arguments, the way we're able to connect is something we couldn't have done on our own. I'm,
0: I'm glad you brought up that kind of point of like self reflection because sometimes yeah. when we are in the relationship, we think it's all our partner's fault. And like we're so, as you mentioned, fixated on if they don't do they don't do that, then this is gonna get fixed. But it's always when you're in a relationship dynamic, and even in a in a a kind of even clearer situation. It's my experience that both party they play a role in it, and that's why I think like things like retreats are great because it's like a in vivo kind of like kind yes. of experiment experiment opportunity experience that you're able to get live feedback that, okay, this is this is what's happening for us versus I'm going to my therapist, yeah. telling my side of story and kind of like getting <laughs> some gems, even if the therapist is great. So yeah. I, I love the idea of retreats. For people that they kind of figure out that now they have kind of reflected that, okay, maybe I was weaponizing sex or at times I do that. And I kind of like, you know, how sometimes we get hooked on the shame spiral and kind of feeling bad about that or maybe they want to kind of change this pattern. What are some of the recommendations you have for them?
1: So if you want to go ahead and change this pattern, it's gonna automatically the first thought that's going to come up for you is, well, as long as I can change them, as long as I could change them, I'm going to be okay. That's not necessarily how it works. If you really want that change in your relationship, you have to be the one that makes that change. It is you. It, It truly is you. It starts with you. You have to be a part of that transition. Once you start to make that change, and this is something I teach at the retreat. Once you're able to go out and identify, these are the things that I need to change. Well, this beautiful thing happens. You start to inspire change. And I see it with couples all the time. You know, you start to own up and hold yourself accountable. And then the partner at first is a little bit timid and reluctant, right, to join in because it's like, okay, wait a minute. Are you going to spin your head like what's going to happen here? You've never done this before. So there's going to be a little bit of resistance. But one thing that's so beautiful that we get to work on is Working through some of that resistance and recognizing that that is fear. That is fear. You have now brought your relationship into a stage that it has never been in. And now that your partner is working on themselves independently, your other partner then becomes curious and starts to feel inspired and starts to adapt to this change. And then they also start to create changes for themselves. They also start to hold themselves accountable. I I never realized how powerful this was until I started doing this myself. Watching my parents... Somebody had to have the upper hands. Otherwise, the relationship in my mind would fail. But what I didn't realize was once change starts to happen within, I got to witness something that I had never witnessed in my life personally. So that's something that we do for couples. That's something that I do for couples at the retreat is helping them go ahead and identify like, okay, I get to expire change. I can't force change. I think that's
0: amazing. And I think the opportunity, I think, for example, when people go to the Couples therapy, they, they know what's happening at times. I don't know. By session four, you know, the pattern but you continue to do it. But change happens when you're reacting in a different way and your partner responds. So I think when you're having both parties at a place like retreat or like intensive couple therapy, that can be very powerful because people will have this opportunity of having corrective experiences. So tell us more about the retreat. I'm very excited about it. (laughs) What are some of the things that you're
1: teaching? What is the format of the retreat? Thank you. That's a great question. So in the beginning the first day, it's full day. So Saturday, we'll be together from 10 to 8 p.m. It's a long day. The first day, we're going to be laser focused on identifying, you know, some of that generational trauma. Like, what are some of the issues that you're bringing in that you learned from your parents? Right. And how have you brought those issues in and how is, has it impacted your relationship? So this is where I'm asking you to fully identify what were the roles of mom and dad, and how am I bringing these same behavioral traits into my relationship? And so it's laser focused on discovery, right? And so once we're in that discovering mode, we'll then be able to share that with our partner, and again teaching them how to provide a non judgmental environment where both of you can go ahead and share your truths. This beautiful thing happens with that. You all of a sudden or you'll see couples let down their guard and give each other grace because then what happens is they realize this entire time they've been personalizing traits that their partner was conditioned to believe and do and so you'll start to feel connected with your partner again you won't personalize these actions you'll now be educated on why they were behaving a certain way or maybe why they weren't cleaning. Or maybe why they weren't giving you affection. Or why they were weaponizing sex, right? And so there's, you start to like the the puzzle pieces. Well, then we look at where your strengths are. What strengths are currently in your relationship? We could laser focus on all of your negatives, right? However, I really want to hone in on what strengths the relationship currently has. And the primary reason for that is because we can build on those. We can build on those strengths. Are you both loyal? Are you both crazy about each other and curious about each other? You know, are you both willing, willing to go ahead and learn, willing to grow? Those are all strengths, right? And so with those strengths, once we've been able to identify what those strengths are, the next step we look into is how often, how often are you having perpetual versus solvable issues, right? And so we really break down the problems that you guys are having. You will then be educated on what they are and why they trigger you the way they do. Not why they trigger you both, why they trigger you personally. The goal here is to, again, hold yourself accountable. Hold yourself, not your partner, accountable. Because that's where that work of independence really, really helps an individual thrive. So that the end goal is for them to be interdependent. So once we've looked at the common problems, the common issues, the common fights that they have, well, now we're breaking you up into groups and we're breaking up into groups. So you can then, again, bring up some of the issues you guys have and you'll start to feel as if, wait a minute, I'm not the only one that has these problems. It'll start to normal. You'll start to feel normal. You'll start to feel like, wait a minute, there, there, there's some level of familiarity. And you'll start to get not only not only in, in real time what you're going through, But you'll also be able to gain perspective from other couples like you, like you. And that right there is where a lot of the real learning comes from, right, is in real time application. So there'll be all of these discoveries. And then we're going to be focusing on once we've looked at what you guys are arguing. Okay, let's look at how do you guys communicate with one another? At what point do you guys shut each other down? At what point do you raise, you know, and start to yell? So we'll look at your argument style as well and how that might be impacting what is the message that your partner receives. And so through that process as we're we're identifying, what is the message that your partner is receiving or what is the story you're telling yourself? That's when we'll start to truly break down that personalization and you'll be able to stop before reacting. You'll learn how to go out and control your emotions so you're not reacting to hurt the individual. Instead, you'll be able to respond. So that day is fully intense. On Sunday, we're laser focused on, again, implementing these skills. You guys are going to have exercises to break away from, all focused on argument style, all focused on how do you connect? How do we set intentional time to grow together? All of that is put into practice there. You guys are able to ask questions. Again, there will be times that you will, it'll be just you and your partner separate have that time to again implement those strategies but it's it's some sunday is definitely implementation day and then we celebrate we celebrate we'll have a photo shoot we'll be dancing there will just be true connection i'm i'm like so excited about
0: it i am very excited as well you know i when i saw the image of the place i thought that's a stock photo it's reminded me of the villa. I don't know. Have you watched Perfect Match? It seemed like a, oh, m- a villa yeah. from Perfect Match. Right? <laughs> Netflix without the drama. <laughs> yeah, no drama. You don't drama. need to do the swapping, but you get to hang out. And it's like, <laughs> instead of Nick Lachey, you get... Veronica Ciceneros, which is <laughs> awesome. And like I, I I want people to know this is not a sponsor affiliate situation. I truly believe in what Veronica <laughs> does. And she she provides so much great information that's actionable and practical for our listeners that they want to learn more about you what are some of the places they can find you
1: absolutely so if you guys want to find out more information about the retreat go to veronica forward slash retreat if you guys want to follow me on social media my tag name is hey veronica cisneros and if you guys want to find out more information about working with me Again, that's VeronicaCeseros.org. Perfect. Perfect. You can find the information in the show. Now, thank you so much,
0: Veronica, for coming on the show and dropping all this wonderful gems. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys found our conversation meaningful. I personally learned a lot from Veronica. Make sure you're listening to her podcast. And also check out her page for retreat. There are not that many people that they walk the walk. She truly has a strong relationships and she teaches you all the skills and strategies you would need in order to up-level your communication with your partner. I wanted to thank all of you guys for joining us on Sexology Podcast today. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Visit youtube.com forward slash sexology podcast and make sure to subscribe so you would never miss an episode. Until next time, stay curious and embrace your sexuality. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.